So, um, <laughs> in the middle of all the excitement of the world and church and COVID and everything, um, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and it's still technically October. So we wanted to bless you guys and thank you. Um, what a time to come in and take over, um, and you've just been amazing, and thank you for your consistency. Thank you for um, letting us into your home every week. Thank you for um, loving us, praying for us, um, caring for us, um, and we love you. So this is for you guys. Oh, and then the flower thing. Yeah. And the flowers. Why? Well, yes, I need all the sweet I can get. So. <laughs> the pretty. So, <laughs> so um, thank you from your church family. Can we pray for you? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for. Um, we thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you, God, that you don't change, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, no matter what the world's doing, no matter what um, our lives are doing, no matter what the economy's doing, no matter what politics are doing, um, no matter what our health is doing, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. And we thank you that you care for us and that your love is steady and it's steadfast for us, Lord. And we thank you, God, for just for your care of our church, God, um, for 25 years, Lord, you've just been taking care of our church, God. And Lord, we thank you for sending Mark and Jill to us for this season, Lord, as our pastors. And we thank you for their, for their love and for their care and for their prayers. Um, just for their steadfastness, Lord, for their maturity, God, for their kindness. And we just ask that you would bless them. God, we pray for wisdom, God, as they lead us through this time, that you would give them wisdom, God. You saved me a word to um, ask for wisdom. Um, so we ask for wisdom for our pastors, God, and for our leaders, that you would help them to lead us the right way in our church, God, with decisions that we were making and just caring for people that are hurting. Um, just fill them up and let them just be filled with your spirit as they lead us, God, and Bless them with this move that they're going through, that it would be a smooth process. Um, give them physical strength to still do their, their regular jobs and just so much. Lord, bless their families, bless their grandkids. Um, we just thank you for them and ask that you bless them abundantly this year. Thank you. Lord. We're excited about what you're going to do in the future. You want to say something? You have to speak directly into my... Yes, I would like... <laughs> I just want to say thank you um, for your kindness and graciousness. Um, we do love you guys, and uh, you know we've been—we're committed to you. So, you know, God always knows what's next for all of us, right? He wasn't caught off guard by COVID. So, um, thank you for walking this out together. Um, yeah. Obviously, we did not have a roadmap on how to navigate through this. But you know what? Like I said, God's never caught off guard. So all we have to do is lean on him, not our own understanding. So he's the one who directs our path. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you so much.
Yeah, I think that's the. Yeah, we could do that at the end. Yeah. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, it's on the floor. It's all good. It's all good. Are we? Are they coming? Oh, okay. All right. Well, you may be seated. <laughs> okay. Has anybody seen our ducks? Because they're not in a row. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. There. All right. I think that'll hold. All right. The way I learned to get around that last week is I said it there. All right. Well, thank you for the kind words and thank you for the prayer. Uh, we are in our home in an interesting season. Uh, we've sold our studios. Uh, we have to be out on our wedding anniversary day. Uh, so we'll be celebrating at a drive through McDonald's, probably in one of the truckloads. Um, if you weren't here last week, we're, we're moving eventually into our home that we own in Mather. Now, don't get the idea that we're extremely wealthy. It's just some years ago, uh, our kids weren't going to leave living with us, so we just left them. Uh, <laughs> but they're, they're moving uh, to Arizona, and so as a result, uh, while we look to be extremely affluent, affluent uh, we can't afford two homes, so we're moving back into the one that's So Jill spoke to me one day. She goes, I think we're supposed to, to sell our house. What do you think about it? And I said, she goes, we're supposed to do it now. The Lord promised he'd bless us. And I, she goes, what do you think? And I said, well, the Lord spoke to me, and I'm just waiting for, for you to bring it up. She goes, well, what do you think? I said, we're supposed to sell in October. So our home sold in six days, which was about 26 faster than I really wanted. Um, <laughs> so please don't make anything of that. I, I, oh, they're moving. Yes, we are. They're leaving. Well, yeah, four and a half miles. The problem is, is that house isn't empty. So we're going six miles the other way to live in an apartment that we lived in 20 years ago when we built that house. So now you know my whole story. Don't say anything other than... That's further. But it's right on 50, so it's probably time-wise about the same. So today uh, I'd like to complete the series on finding or discovering uh, spiritual rest. I, I couldn't even make up my mind what to call it. I don't know if you noticed every week I kept changing the series title because I couldn't remember what it was from the week before. Um, I don't know if any of you ever get tired. I get tired physically. Uh, we had five grandkids over last night. Finally, I said, that's enough. I'm going to go take a shower. And when I came out, four of them were gone. And I said, oh, are they gone? Wistfully sad that I didn't get to say goodbye, but grateful that they had already gone home because I'm 64 and I get tired. 
But greater than physical fatigue, which, you know what I dealt with last night by sleeping till 6.04 this morning, which means nothing to you, but anybody that knows me really well knows that's about three hours past my normal get-up time. And so even though that means my notes today are really fresh, finished at uh, 7.57, we're supposed to be in the car at 8.15, so you get the picture. Uh, I can take care of the physical thing. That's easy. You just go to bed earlier or you sleep later. But spiritually, we can get caught up in some routines, some habits that can be spiritually exhausting and cause many people to give up because they never think they can measure up. And if I can summarize the whole point of this instruction, this the seventh week, it's this. That Jesus did everything you need to bring you safely into his fold and to protect you until you're fulfilled and fully complete in the presence of God. But you don't have to sweat it from here to there. Does that make sense to anyone? Now, maybe you weren't like me. Maybe you didn't grow up with the go to the altar every Sunday night and confess a list of sins and then always end it with, and Lord, whatever I missed, would you please cover that one too? And when you're a teenager, you've always, in fact, sometimes at the altar, you'd look up and, I'm sorry, ladies, but the mini skirt next to me is like, okay, I sinned again, and I had to more to confess. <laughs> See, I'm off today. I didn't empty my pockets. That's just bad news all the way around. You can be exhausted with maintaining disciplines, not... not not that discipline is bad, not that having spiritual disciplines is bad, but having them because you think you have to in order to stay saved, that's wrong. Do I read my Bible? Yes. I don't do it to stay saved. I do it because I want to understand more about Jesus, who I'm in a relationship with. Does that make sense? The purpose for what I do and why I do it is completely different. So if you want to open your Bibles and stick your finger in a place that we're going to kind of go back to about three or four times, it's Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, because God gave his word, Jesus makes certain the promise of a better covenant. Let's stop right there. What was the old covenant? The old covenant was the law. What did the law really show us? That we can't measure up. What did the law really show us? That no matter what we tried to do, there'd be some place that we'd fall short. Isn't that what the law... We, in fact, the scripture teaches us that we didn't even know we were sinning until there was a law. You didn't know you were exceeding the speed limit until you saw the sign that said reduced to 55, which why they have that on 99 coming up here, I don't get because there's no road work. That was funny right there. You can feel free to laugh. It's interesting, because the sign kept flashing, slow down, slow down, and one of them got taped over, and I thought they should tape over the other two. <laughs> you see, it goes on to say in verse 23, there were many priests in Levi's family line. Death kept them from continuing office. But Jesus lives forever. So he always holds the office of priest. People now come to God through him. Now listen to this phrase, circle it, underline it. And he is able to save them completely, not partially, not just enough to get you fire insurance. He's able to save you completely and for all time. For all time. Was I a sinner? Yes, I was. 
when did I not become a sinner or when, when I wasn't I labeled as a sinner anymore? When by faith I received Jesus Christ. And from that point on, because I'm washed in his blood and my sins are covered, both past, present, and future, now Paul refers to us throughout the scripture as saints. You say, well, I don't feel like a saint. I don't care how you feel. Feeling doesn't matter. It's by faith that we walk in an understanding that he says that I am complete and whole and I'm in him. Jesus lives forever, and he prays for them. Them is us. Verse 26, a high priest like that really meets our need. He is holy and pure without blame. He isn't like other people. He does not sin. He is lifted high above the heavens. He isn't like the other high priests. They need to offer sacrifices day after day after day after day. First they bring offerings for their own sins, then they do it for the sins of the people. But Jesus gave one sacrifice for the sins of all people. He gave it once and for all time. He did it by offering himself. What was he? The perfect sacrifice. The law appoints as high priests men who are weak. But God's promise came after the law. By his promise the son was appointed. The son has been made perfect forever. Well, no one wants to live in uncertainty. In fact, I can prove it if we go to the next slide. Did you know there's a town in Texas called Uncertain Texas? It, it's a city in Harrison County, sure? Texas, in the United States. And, and you know what? If you look on their website, it'll say, not sure where to stay, we can help. We've gone ahead and created a list of available lodging near uncertain that will give you the true uncertain experience. <laughs> Do you know if you look at that site, you can find out how to get there. It's from Jefferson, Texas. You go south on Farmers Road 134, cross the Big Cypress Bayou Bridge, take the Y, go to the left for another 10 miles, turn left to continue on Farm Road 134, Continue straight on to 2198 for five miles. And that'll get you from Jefferson, which you don't know where that is, to uncertain. You want to know what to do in uncertain? They want you to be sure to know what to do. Uncertain offers activities and events for many interests, fishing, hunting, boating, unique food destinations, and of course, relaxing. Finding uncertain can leave you feeling uncertain. For many, this is a positive. To ensure that you find your way to our neck of the woods, we've compiled some directions. I just told you what they were. Now, wouldn't you want to live in uncertain? Well, apparently, you'd be among very few, because according to the 2010 census, the population had shrunk to 94, down from 150 in, in the year 2000. Currently, it's projected at 59. What's the point? Mark needed a joke. And it was funnier than you laughed. People don't want to live in uncertainty. And spiritually, many people live in uncertainty. They really don't know where they stand with God. They view God as that God I talked about in week one and two, that he's angry just looking for an opportunity for us to fail so he can say, Aha, I got you. 
And that's not God's heart towards us. He sent the perfect high priest to offer the perfect sacrifice that would cover us eternally and secure us in him forever. One of the most destructive and tiring results of legalist Christianity is uncertainty that many believers live in concerning their salvation. This may include a hope-so attitude. You ask people, are you saved? you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. I remember when I, when I was a young pastor in Texas, we used to do uh, something called evangelism explosion. We went to somebody's house. We said, if you were to die today and ask God why, you know, and the, and the guy's answer was, well, I'm sure I could talk him into it. <laughs> That's a bit of uncertainty. Now there's an attitude of fear that they're certain they'll lose their salvation if they don't endure to the end and press on. That was me. That somehow if I didn't always act right, sit up, fly right, that he was going to get mad and say, you know, I've been just looking for an opportunity to condemn you. Either of these attitudes that I talked about, the hope so or the fear, produces a weak, ineffective witness to the finished work of Christ. It's no wonder people don't want to be believers when they look at us beating ourselves up. But if they see us walking in grace and understanding it's God's grace and his power that enables us to live life, and he gives us joy and peace, and bring on a virus, it doesn't destroy us. Bring on this, bring on that, it doesn't destroy us. Why? Because our hope is based in someone because we walk and we live and are secure in him. That weak, ineffective witness to the finished work of Christ hinders a life of active faith that God designed for us to live. You say, well, I'm not designed to live by faith. How many of you checked your chair before you sat in it? You went out and got bricks and say, you know, I weigh... 210 pounds, so you got 210 pounds worth of bricks and set it in the chair. Did anybody do that? No, you just sit down. Why? Because you had faith. You're, you're designed to be a faith person. You know, I'm always shocked when I go to a switch and turn on a light when the light doesn't come on. And I don't mean shocked like shocked, but, you know, I'm astonished. Are you with me? We are designed to be people of faith. God put that in us. And why wouldn't we want to have faith in the God of the universe who sent the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest, God the Son, Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, and said, I'm going to take care of this for you. All you have to do is believe. Well, I don't know if God can keep me. Well, 2 Timothy says, For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. What have you entrusted to him? Hopefully your life. Well, there's two kinds of religion. I'm back on your notes now, and I'm back onto the PowerPoint, Jill. There's two kinds of religion. First is the religion of human achievement. Look what I've done. I don't know about you, but that's not one that I'm particularly successful in. Like forgiving enemies. I don't know. I can't remember where my car keys are, but I can remember what somebody did to me 32 years ago. <laughs> Hello? Come on, be human here. Encourage me. Don't, don't make me think I'm the only human in the room. I would much prefer to trust in the religion of divine accomplishment. What has God done to bring me into his family? 
then what can I do to earn my way into his family? Do you see the difference? One brings rest. The first is exhausting. So number one, let's talk about how to change our hope-so into no-so salvation. Do you know that believers can know they are saved? That's a restful thing. 1 John 5 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. When does eternal life start? The minute you believe. The minute you accept. The minute you say, okay, Father, I want to be into your kingdom. I accept it. I believe it. I repent. What does repent mean? Not list a whole list of things. What's repent mean? It's when I change my mind. I'm now going to think about me the way you think about me. And you say I'm in your kingdom. And if I'm in your kingdom, I have eternal life. Is that restful? Absolutely. Now you might say, yeah, but I've seen other people that claimed they were saved, and I watched them fall off the map and all this and that. Well, you know what? I'm going to encourage you to avoid the trap of observation of others who claim to know Christ but walked away or returned to a destructive lifestyle. You never know what their heart condition was. But you can know what yours is. Isn't that fantastic? You'll say, well, what about those? Well, you know what? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't read that to make us scared. I'm just saying, I don't, all I can do is take care of Mark. And I can help Jill, and I can influence my grandkids. That, that's as far as it goes. I, I can't, I don't know people's hearts. But Christians can rest in the absolute security that faith in Christ provides. And once you understand that he has provided it all and that we have life eternal forever, that that truth can renew our minds and we are in the process of, listen to this, this is a great sentence, we're in the process of becoming who we already are in Christ. Letter B, believers can rest in the security that they're saved. The scriptures promise us that. Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or the demonic, neither fears for today, worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul uses this phrase, in Christ, to show our position as saints. He addresses the church throughout Scripture as saints. Jesus said it this way in John 10, verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Look what happens in verse 28. I give them eternal life. When does eternal life start? The minute you receive the gift. They will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. You can be secure. If you committed your life to Jesus Christ, you're in God's hands. Guess what the good news is? Nothing can tear you away from that. Yeah, but I had a down day. I had a failure. Guess what? You're human. We still have this body of flesh, and until that's replaced, we're going to have human days, but it doesn't change my destiny. It doesn't change my relationship. Please act like you're getting this. It doesn't change who I am or where I am going. 
Daddy is not mad anymore. I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So what Jesus is saying, if they're in my hand, they can't get them out of God's hand. We're the same. They can't get you out of my hand. Oh, what rest. What rest. What rest. Now I journal because I want to, not to make somebody and Wayne Cordero happy. <laughs> For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's kids. Titus 3, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Now catch this, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ. Another reason that we can rest and be secure is the perfection of the sacrifice. Number point two, the perfection of the sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by that one offering, he, Jesus, forever made perfect those who had been or being made holy. I want you to get the Old Testament picture. Every day, a priest goes in and offers sacrifice, first for his sin, the sins of people. When you get to the Day of Atonement, once a year, a person is selected. He goes into the most holy place. What do they do with him? They put bells on his robe and put a rope around him. Because if he hadn't taken care of his sins first, he would go in and be struck dead. And then if the bell stopped jingling, they used the rope to pull him out. Do you understand in the tabernacle of heaven, Jesus went in once as a great high priest. And God said, where's your sacrifice? He said, it's my perfect life. Oh, that's the first perfect sacrifice we've ever had, ever offered by a perfect high priest. That takes care of it. That takes care of it. That takes care of it. The Passion Translation of Hebrews 7, which was in your notes earlier, he is able to save fully from now throughout eternity. Get it? From now throughout eternity, everyone who comes to God through him, there's that in him thing, because he lives to pray continually for them. Okay, let's deal with the oops, I slipped. You have an attorney. He sits right next to God. He's on the job every day forever. What about Mark? What about him? He's in me. Oh, good, that's taken care of. Justice has been met. That's taken care of. And what's so neat about the judge that we now serve is he is able to do something that I cannot do. He doesn't remember those transgressions anymore. Can you imagine standing before God and saying, I'm sorry I did this and I'm sorry I thought that? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, does it mean he's some kind of old forgetful guy like me? No, it means 
he is able to choose, catch this, not to remember. There's a difference. Forgetting is one thing. When you choose not to remember, you can set up a barrier. God can do that. So I don't, I choose not to look at Mark's record anymore. So it doesn't exist because I choose. That's pretty amazing. He is a high priest, verse 26, who perfectly fits our need, holy, without a trace of evil, without the ability to deceive, incapable of sin, and exalted beyond the heavens. That's the kind of high priest that I want representing me. Unlike the former high priest, he's not compelled to offer daily sacrifices. They had to bring a sacrifice first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people. But he finished the sacrificial system once and for all when he offered himself the law appointed flawed men as high priests, but God's promise, sealed with his oath, which succeeded, which succeeded the law, appoints a perfect son who is complete forever. As the perfect sacrifice, Jesus perfected for all time those who are sanctified or set apart. You are a perfect person in Jesus Christ. Now, do you act perfect? I didn't say you acted perfect. I just said you are a perfect person in Christ. But what if I sin after I'm saved? What happens? Well, look at what the Word says in Romans 4. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Woohoo! That's either the uh, invisible ink or the erasable ink. Or I, When I was in college, any of you old enough to remember the erasable bond? So when you were typing a paper and you made a boo-boo, instead of having to retype it or get out that white pasty glue stuff and everybody knew, oh, gosh, that guy made 42 mistakes. When they came out with erasable bond, it made me look like a genius. <laughs> you never left the page because it would get out of line on the typewriter, but you get down there and you go through and you read it and you get out that little eraser, you get the softer one so it doesn't leave the red mark on there and go back and you type that baby. Your record is clear. That's what God does for us through His Son. In 1 John 2, uh, I'm sorry, some of you don't even know what a typewriter is. Uh, 1 John 2. <laughs> oh, your pastor is really old. Uh, 1 John 2, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Catch this. Sin is never laid to our account again. While I may and will sin after being born again, sin is never again taken into my account by my Heavenly Father. Why? Because of Christ's perfect sacrifice. Number three, the position of the saints. The positions of the saints. 2 Corinthians 5 says, If anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is there. What does that mean? The minute I'm in Christ, the old is gone, the new is here. What is that really talking about? Well, in, in John 3, it's what Nicodemus said. It's when we're born anew or born again. We were born of the flesh before, now we're born of the Spirit. That moves us into a new kingdom, and we're in that kingdom forever. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Since we're now in Christ, everything that pertains to Christ pertains to us because I'm in Christ. So where Christ is, I am. If he's seated in heavenly places, guess where I am? The Bible says I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Say, well, I didn't know that Mather or Rancho Cordova or Marysville or Yuba City was heavenly places. It is. 
There is no safer place to be than in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. As believers, we're waiting for the full expression of heaven in our lives because of our mortal bodies. But we're already citizens of heaven today. And the Spirit of God is the guarantee. So if you have the Spirit of God in your life, that's the guarantee that everything He said is in the process of becoming. But by the way, your citizenship changed. So if something stopped today, you're a citizen of heaven. If it stops tomorrow, you're a citizen of heaven. If you get to live until a week from Tuesday, guess what? You're still a citizen of heaven. Number four, I want to talk about the present tense of salvation. For some, salvation is viewed as something that happened in the past. It was an event, and then I go on and do whatever. Others think, well, I look for it in the future. Someday it'll happen. But you know, salvation is a present tense thing. John chapter 5, Jesus said it this way, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. So let's look at that. Let me make it simple. Believe, have eternal life. So the minute I believe, I have eternal life. So the moment I believed was the moment that eternal life became my destiny. They will never be condemned for their sins. Why? Because they've already passed from death into life. You see, Jesus in this verse is not describing a future event in heaven because eternal life is a permanent state of being. Here's a verse that I read at every, every funeral. If I'm your pastor long enough and I preach a funeral here, you will hear me quote this verse. John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you understand what that says? You say, well, I've seen believers die. That's from your perspective. But I want to give you the perspective from that person, for you, for me, that moment. Here's the deal. My last breath here becomes my first breath there. My last thought here becomes my first thought there. My last idea here is my first idea there. My last song, if I'm humming it here, is the one I'm humming when I show up over there. Do you understand it happens instantaneously? There is not death for us because we are in Christ. Yeah, the mortal piece is left. It's fat, slow, forgetful, and old. <laughs> but it's like going to the car dealer. We'll get a new one that will last forever. Number five, let's look at the prayers of the Savior. You see, the Bible teaches us that Jesus continually prays for us. Can you imagine anybody better praying for you than Jesus? Because he, Jesus, continues forever. 
has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the utmost those who come to him, to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession. When the adversary appears before the Father, like he did with Job's situation, says, look at my servant Mark. Then on this side, yes, he's in me. Uh, leave him alone. You can't touch him. Because he says, leave him alone, he's his. Jesus is constantly making intercession in the court of heaven on our behalf. And you remember what happens when he steps on the scale on our side? Equal. You have equity with God. You can be in his presence. Look at an example of Jesus' prayer for us in John 17. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them. Who's that? That's us. By the power of your name so that we will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. You see, our salvation and the security of our salvation are not based, oh, this is so great, not based on the quality of our commitment to him. It's based on the quality of his commitment to us. Wow! And last, let's close with the power of his sovereignty. When God's power is applied in any measure to any purpose, all that God desires to happen is accomplished. When God's power is applied to any measure, in other words, when God sets his mind to do something, guess what happens? It happens. It gets done. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5 all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we've been born again. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, there we are again. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until we receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Woohoo! You see, we are kept, we are guarded, we are protected by the power of God until our glorious inheritance is fully released into our possession. There is a confidence, friends, that every believer can experience. And this confidence brings the reality of a joyful, peaceful, spiritual rest. In the last seven weeks, I've shared with you my heart. Because I don't want you to be tired. I don't want you to wonder. I don't want you to live in fear. If you're confident that you're in him, you have all of these promises. And so guess what? The fear thing is gone. Why? Because you're in him. 
the list of duties, the list of rights, the list of wrongs, all of the efforts to maintain some kind of relationship are gone. Suddenly, you're in a love relationship. Do I do things for Jill? Yes, because in a week, two Sundays from now, it'll be completing our 39th year. As I was uh, taking stuff out of our garage and a box fell open and all these pictures fell out and someone were dating and then someone I was in the hair bear look, which was like a curly from here all the way around. <laughs> Seriously, I, this was curly, this was bushy and all there was was a little face. And she said, she was showing it to the girls, look at your dad, he was so happy then. And I hated the fact to hear that I was happy then. Because I should be happier now. Because our life is more fulfilled. We've seen so many things together. We've experienced God's grace. We've seen the expression of his love and the explosion of the grandchildren. And, and they're fantastic. But I do a lot for Jill. You know why I do it? Because I love her. Long ago, I realized she was committed to me. And so I quit doing things out of fear that she would leave, which at one point I lived that way, I'll be honest. We need to understand that's how it is with God. He's so committed to us, he sent his son. His son is here that you can enjoy a confident rest in him. And the things that you now do, you do out of love. There's a difference. There was a season of time, I'll be honest, Jill criticized me about something, and so I thought, oh, to keep her around, I better do this every day, and it was make sure there weren't dishes in the sink. It became an obsession. Like the kids had finished some cereal, I'd go, oh no, she might go if I don't do it. She never said she was gonna leave, it's just my interpretation. So please don't judge my wife, it's just a very insecure, small-minded man. I still do that, now it's kind of a habit, but I know it makes her happy. I know there's there's commitment there. Well, how much more is the commitment of the Father to you and me? You can find rest for your souls. I hope this series has helped. Because we're in a season that can challenge us physically. I don't know about you, many of us are working more hours to accomplish less. We're doing more to keep businesses alive. Some of you teach school, bless your heart. like me, you made a commitment to believe. Fifty-seven years ago, <laughs> or maybe it was last week, but it'd be a good time to just say, Father, I reaffirm.
because I believe I receive everything you have for me. And you've promised me rest for my soul. Father, this morning we're thankful. We are so thankful. We're so thankful for your grace, for your mercy, for your love in our lives. We know it's by that simple prayer of acknowledging you as our Savior and Lord as we believe in our heart and receive that you transform us. We're born again. We're brought into your kingdom. The promise of eternal life becomes our reality. Thank you for that. Pray, Lord, that as we walk each day, as we realize that perhaps fear has come in, that angst, anxiety has come in, Lord, help us to stop in that moment of time. Reaffirm that we're in you by faith, and because we believe, we receive everything you've promised for us. Thank you for that. started this earlier, but life got in the way. <laughs> we have a young lady that uh, I'm pretty sure was a founding member of our church. <laughs> because uh, her daddy was the founding pastor. <laughs> but God is taking Robert and Catherine to a new place in their life and physically relocating them into uh, Arizona. I'm sad to see them go, but I'm excited for them. I'm excited to see where God's taking them. Normally what we'd do is have them stand right here and we'd form a big circle and we'd pray and all of that good stuff. I'm gonna ask them to come up and don't worry, Babies are babies. It's all good. But what I'd like you to do is stand, extend your hand of blessing. We, we, we can't come and touch, but you can extend your hand. Hi. Yes, it is Mark. Are you looking for your husband? Behold. Oh, there, there, there. Okay. We love you guys. Jill and I haven't known you. Jill and I haven't known you as, as long as many here in this church family. But we've had some wonderful times together, some great conversations. Appreciate your willingness to serve our church family in any way. That's been fantastic. It was very encouraging to me early on to find somebody that says, I'll, I'll help. I'll be in your corner. You're a bit odd, but I'll be in your corner. So thank you for that. But man, are we excited for God's taking you. And we would never get in the way of where he's taking you. That would be wrong of us. That'd be selfish. I'm glad God's opened doors for you, sir. And you're finding favor already. Thank God for that. Extend your hand and let's all lift our voices to the Father. It won't disturb him if you all talk out loud. So, Father, 
pray your blessing, your grace. Come on, join me, saints. We pray your blessing and your grace, your protection. Confidence that comes from knowing that their steps are ordained of you. Lead every step. Meet every need. Provide them with everything they need provision for. Do that, Lord Jesus. May their children feel a confidence in this. I pray that you'll bring them new friends. I pray that you'll bring them a loving church family that they can be a part of and contribute to. And they can be ministered to by that church family as well, Lord. Lord, may your hand be upon them. Protect them as they travel. Protect them as they move. Protect them as they pack and as they unpack. Meet every need, Lord Jesus. We ask that as representatives of this church, you will use them as a witness, as a testimony. In the neighborhood in which they live, in which the schools in which their children attend, in their friendships, in the church, anywhere that they go, may they represent you as missionaries of light and love and hope. Give them the strength that they need. We speak against any spirit of fear that might come. In place of fear, let confidence come. Let a sense of trust come because they sense you. May they feel you, Lord, like they've never felt you before. Make the reality of your presence something they feel as well as know. Let them be assured of your presence and your direction in their life. And we'll thank you for it. We'll thank you for it, Father. Amen.